With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program where we recognize the Simpsons for being renewed for season number 33. Wow, only 29 more seasons for better than before to catch up. Today on the program, my guest is Jonathan Raymond, and we're going to be talking about high performance, how to create a culture that leads people to better performance and higher performance. And I will be showcasing three keys to making the jump to elite performance in my leadership and business lesson for you a little later on in the program today. That's all coming up on Better Than Before, sponsored by University Subaru. Join us for the Subaru A Lot to Love event going on right now. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Because adventure still needs chasing, we gave the newly redesigned 2021 Subaru Crosstrek a more powerful engine. Plus, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. And Subaru is the most trusted brand for six years running, according to Kelly Blue Book. Love. It's what makes Subaru, Subaru. Join us for the Subaru A Lot to Love event going on now. University Subaru. Homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. Jonathan Raymond is my special guest today, and he's the CEO of Refound, a leadership training company that helps organizations unlock high performance through transparent conversations about growth and accountability. Jonathan spent 20 years building careers in business development and personal growth before realizing he could have the best of both worlds by starting his own company. Now he uses those skills to advise CEOs and organizational leaders on how to create a people 
first culture that drives results. His goal is to provide Refound's clients with a partner they can trust and a program that gives managers an experience of how they can make work a better place, one conversation at a time. Jonathan is an experienced CEO, Inc. Magazine Top 100 Leadership Speaker, and the author of Good Authority, How to Become the Leader Your Team is Waiting for. He, uh, he lives in California. Tell me the name of the town you live in, how to pronounce that, Jonathan. It's uh, Encinitas. Encinitas. All right. I knew if I heard it, I'd be able to say it. Uh, he is also, and this is very important to get in here, he is madly in love with his wife. And what's her name? Alexandra. Alexandra. And he does his best not to spoil his daughters. And what's their names? Uh, Livia and Ella. All right. And he will never give up on his team, the New York Knicks. So those are all worthy pursuits, I think. <laughs> yeah, the Knicks are actually not even, they're not half bad this year for the first time in about 20 years. You know, I grew up in Kentucky. I lived there the first 30 years of my life. So I'm a Kentucky basketball person. Uh, if you grow up in Kentucky, you are given a basketball as soon as you come out. They dress you in blue, and they are having the worst season in the entire history of mm. their of their existence. All mm. the college basketball blue bloods are having trouble this year uh, just because of the unusual COVID circumstances and, mm. and all of that stuff, not being able to play over the summer and that, that sort of thing. But we have, what I was going to say about that is we have a number of Col Kentucky alumni that are on the New York Knicks team uh, That's right. this yeah. year. And we also have one of our former assistant coaches, Kenny Payne, who is mm -hmm. an assistant there with the Knicks. So Yeah, they're they're calling the the, the Wildcats of the NBA, right? <laughs> yeah, well Emmanuel Quickly, who's a who's a rookie, he's tearing it up and Kevin Knox. Yeah, he's fun to watch. Kevin Knox and Julius Randle and all these guys I got to watch up close and personal in college. All right, so welcome uh, to the show. Tell me a little bit about how did you decide to make the transition from CEO to this leadership trainer coach person? Yeah. Uh, largely, but from realizing that I wasn't very good at the CEO part of it uh, in some ways that I, that I thought I was. So uh, I was running a mid-sized company uh, for about five years and I, and I was pretty good at the vision strategy, sort of product mix, understanding the infrastructure. I was pretty good at those parts of the CEO job. But what I realized was uh, I wasn't very good at the coaching and development part of it. Uh, even though I had spent a lot of time working on myself as a leader, uh, I was really struggling with how to give people feedback, how to have growth conversations, how to give people what they wanted in terms of career development, at the same time driving the results that I needed for the business. And I became really, uh, you know, sort of hell-bent on understanding this topic and trying to figure out, well, how do I do this better? Because this seems like a big gap in my own uh, leadership uh, toolkit. And, you know, there's literally like 35,000 books on leadership on, on Amazon. <laughs> right. Uh, so I did So I did what any sane person would do is I decided to write another one. Uh, and, um, and I started to experiment with some ideas for how to do the people leadership part of it differently uh, to really take a coaching mindset and a very specific uh, philosophical approach to uh, how to grow individuals in a way that was very much aligned with the company. And I had no idea what I was going to do with the, that set of ideas, but I just started doing it. And I started doing it with my team. And then I started doing it with other teams. And then I started taking on some clients. And somewhere in there, I got the uh, bright idea, hey, you know what, I think this is a business. 
And, um, and then I broke off, started a business uh, called Refound. And then I wrote Good Authority back in 2015, 2016, and everything took off from there. Yeah. So, you know, all of us who are former CEOs who now do this for a living see a lot of things they would have done differently uh, if they could go back and redo their CEO stints again, because mm -hmm. we're, we're in our, we're in the field all the time and we're constantly seeing how things work and we're constantly perfecting our craft and adding things. I'm sure you would have done a lot of things different in the culture of your company, knowing what you know now, right? Indeed. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the, one of the biggest insights that I had, which other leaders have had this insight. It was just my version of it is just how much of an impact the, the fact of my leadership was having on the people around me, just that structural authority that I had, all the context that I had sitting in on board meetings, like all the things that I knew that I had the opportunity to process and deal with. And then I would say something to somebody and I couldn't understand why didn't, why didn't they understand it? Why didn't, why didn't they see what I saw? Right. And why, or why didn't they get the urgency of it the way I felt the urgency of it. And, uh, and I wasn't uh, conscious enough of my tone and the way that I was showing up to those conversations and the results that I was having as, due to the way that I was showing up. And so that's a lot of what you know I'm working on today with organizations and, and CEOs and others is how big of an impact we can have positively uh, through some so some fairly simple, not easy, but from some fairly simple shifts uh, in the way we approach leadership. So if you wouldn't mind, clarify that for us a little bit. What, what would some of those shifts be? The primary shift that I work with leaders on, which I wrote extensively about in Good Authority, is what I call more Yoda, less superhero. And what more Yoda, less superhero is about, I mean, people can sort of get it instinctively, is most of us, grew up in an education system, parenting system, cultural, perhaps even religious system that was very focused on our individual contributions. We learned to be good individual contributors. And most CEOs became CEOs as a result of having success as an individual contributor in one form or another. But when you're leading a team or when you're leading an organization that becomes problematic. And the further up the org chart you go, the more problematic that becomes. Right, the more impact so, it has. Yeah. And so what I saw leaders, my, what I saw myself doing is we're operating like superheroes all the time. We go through every wall. We never say can't be done. We're constantly, we're constantly in that getting things done mindset all the time. And that's a good skill, but it's only one skill. And now when I'm surrounded by a team of people that are responsible for creating results, if I'm always the one fixing things, having the answers, having all the bright ideas, creating all the new initiatives, that's disempowering to the modern employee because they want to have a voice. They want to hear, they want to have their ideas. They don't necessarily get to ha have to have their way, but they want to feel like they have a voice. They want some autonomy. They want to be the hero in the story too. And so that shift to, okay, well, how do I be more Yoda? How do I create the conditions and see my role as a leader is creating the conditions for other people to be heroic in their, way, their own ways. I'm always going to have my moments where I need to get things done. That's never going to change. But that shift to more Yoda, less superhero, I've been working, you know, some of my clients I've been working with for years. And it's one of those, it's a, it's a, it's a personal growth, borderline spiritual path. Aha moment, right? Right. 
Yeah, and they people realize like over they have these keep having these layers and layers of insights. I'm like, oh my goodness, I had no, I'm still being the superhero over there. I'm still filling the space. Oh, I gotta go do something. I gotta go fix that, right? So it's this it's a never ending cascade of insight uh, for leaders, and it's been very that's one of the two most powerful things that people got from the book and that we work with uh, organizations on. I had a small moment that I'm gonna present in the form of a question to you is how do you continue to be a superhero with so many people working remotely? I mean, that seems like that would be almost impossible. Yeah. And that's, that's what's happened. It was was very interesting to me. I didn't know what was going to happen in our business in early 2020 when COVID hit and I was like prepared for the worst. Uh, And I was, because we were doing so many things in person, so much of our, you know, seminars and workshops and organizational work we were doing in person. And what happened was fascinating to me, surprising, was all of our clients said, oh, by the way, not only can you not go anywhere, we need a lot more help than we did before because now all of our people are managing remotely and all of the bad habits that we knew about before, all the, all the superhero behavior, trying to be everywhere, trying to do everything, it's, it's killing people. People are breaking. And what we saw in 2020 was people getting stretched beyond their breaking point and they've got kids at home trying to learn, you know, trying to do school at home, which is nuts. And then they, you know, they they can't see their team in person. So all of the stuff that that folks like us have been talking about for years, it sort of ripped the cover off and like, wow, wait a second, we need a better way, we need a new way to do this. And so it really uh, it really put a spotlight on the degree to which so many leaders and managers are in that constant superhero mode. And here, this is the important thing. There's a it's like, okay, well, that, that sounds important, and maybe it is, but, it, but the, the really important thing is what's the consequence? If you have an organization with 50 managers or 5,000 managers, I don't care how many managers, if those managers and leaders are operating in superhero all day long, they're operating in that mode, what's being lost is innovation. What's being lost is good ideas. What's being lost is time, headspace for strategic thinking. There's no quality time left in the organization. And so then as CEOs, we're constantly bemoaning the fact that, well, why don't people take risks? Why don't people, well, I'll tell you why, because they're in superhero firefighting mode all day long, processing a million requests because they haven't learned because we haven't helped them yet figure out a different way. I, I, I'm just drawing some, some thoughts here as you're, you're talking, absolutely wonderful things you're sharing with us today. If someone is doing less of something that has a cultural impact, then they probably are doing more of something else, right? Mm. And so right. and so I'm just thinking if I'm doing less superhero do it for you, swoop in and save the day activities, then maybe I'm doing more helping you through coaching and feedback activities. Is that that's right? Kind of right. Yep. Yeah. So how do you work with your clients on that aspect? When I, I work with a lot of clients on what I call efficient listening. Uh, we talk, everybody talks about like proactive listening. I'm a big fan of efficient listening. I, I, I think that's one of my superpowers. A lot of things I'm lousy at, but I'm a very efficient listener. So if I have somebody on my team and I coach my clients and, so, and they come in and they have a one-on-one, they're going to share a lot of stuff with me. They're going to talk about a lot of stuff. And I could respond to everything. I have an opinion on everything but that's not efficient. So I'm listening and I'm waiting and I'm figuring out, okay, what's important about this conversation? 
Where do I need to respond? How can I be, if the superhero in me wants to give them an opinion, give a perspective on everything, because everything's important, mm -hmm. right? Everything is relevant. It's all about our business. But I'm trying to be efficient because I know part of what I learned through bad experiences as, as previous CEO is when I tell somebody five things are important, they try to fulfill on all five of those things. And then, and none of them get the care and love that I want. And so at least in a, as, as a matter of priority. So I'm trying to do less, pick what's most important. And then I see it as my job, not their job. It's my job to say, hey, here's what I'm getting is really important from this conversation. Now let's talk about how the other four things are secondarily connected to that most important thing. And that's the, the function of great leadership is, to, is not to say, oh, we're only gonna do one thing and those other four things don't matter. They matter. But to help people see how there's actually really, there's an essential thing of those five that will actually drive the other four. Yeah, there's a- we think about it the right way. Yeah, there's a key, right? That's gonna yes. unlock the other three or four things. You know, one of my pet peeves, uh, and I, I thought about this as I listened to you talk and as I review my notes that I have in front of me about your expertise, but one of the things that I dislike intensely is for someone to say to me, um, well, I'm a different person at home than I am at work. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, how in the world are you two people? Like, um, I find it very difficult to be one person and you're <laughs> telling me you're two people. And what what sparked that thought was I, I was reading in my notes here about how one of your big ideas is that personal and professional development is the same. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so talk about that a little bit. One of the things that I think is really interesting about our world is how uh, the, the lines between work and home have been disintegrated. Right. Sure. And there, there are some bad things about that. There's some challenges about that. But one of the things that I think is really positive is that people are looking for growth and development at work, and they are not willing, largely, to show up at work and do a job that doesn't have personal meaning. That and it depends. You know, this I'm, I don't want to be overly general. Like different people need different things from work, right? Sure. Um, some people need a paycheck, and that's fine, and that's good. Um, but but for a lot of organizations, what they're struggling with is how to provide development and growth opportunities. And when we do organizational design and we sort of, you know, we start with clients, we always ask the same questions. And one of the questions we ask is, how many people here are getting feedback? Everybody raises their hand. And then we say, okay, how many people are getting developmental feedback? And all those hands go down, right? We're getting feedback all the time, but we're not getting developmental feedback. And it's in that developmental feedback, how are we showing up to the tasks in our inbox? How do we conduct ourselves in our meetings? How do we relate with the with our sense of overwhelm or the stress? Those are all personal development themes. And you don't have to be anybody's coach, anybody's therapist or life coach or minister in order to give them a personal development frame at work. You just have to ask better questions. You just have to be, you have to observe how are they showing up and be willing to lean into those conversations. People will make the connections for themselves. And this happens over and over again with our clients is when leaders will give somebody feedback when they, and we have a tool called the accountability dial to make this less scary. When people will give behavior-based feedback, hey, I noticed in meetings, uh, you, you're, you seem to be struggling and kind of leaving space for other people to speak. And you're, you're really quick to jump in with your 
with your opinion. And that's not a bad thing per se, but let's talk about the impact that that might be having. If you will start that type of conversation with your employees, within a couple of one-on-ones, they will come back to you and they will start saying things like, hey, that feedback that you gave me about the way I show up in meetings, that same thing happens at home. My wife gives me that feedback all the time. And you will, you will create the bridge between personal and professional growth without ever meddling in their marriage or their personal affairs, or you don't have to go there, but you just have to be real with them. And there's a way to do it that's graceful, that's honoring the agreements at work. And that's where, uh, in our opinion, that's where work is going, is, is in that, uh, that integration. I was just sharing with uh, one of the team members I was coaching yesterday that the old proverb, it's, it's not personal, it's business, is just a bigger fallacy than ever. You know, yes, it's all personal. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. it's all very personal. How do you think? Yeah, if you yeah, if you look at all the dysfunction and all the angst inside of a business, like it's all personal. Right? Absolutely, everything that everybody's upset about, it's all personal. Well, I've always said I could go to the company picnic and spend a few minutes with that person's spouse, and I know exactly how much job satisfaction they have. That's right. You know, because the, that's we're all getting spousal feedback all the time. Mm-hmm. It's usually the first person we go talk to. Uh, how do you think the way that we give feedback to our children has changed? Do, do you think that's evolved as well? I hope so. Uh, I, one of the pleasant surprises, I'm, a, I have, I'm very passionate about parenting. I have two girls, uh, one stepdaughter who's now 16 and a four-year-old. And uh, one of the things that's been really uh, rewarding uh, from writing this book is how many people have said, hey, I know this is a book about business and leadership, but this, it seems like this, these lessons really apply to parenting. And, um, and, and, and for sure they do. And I think that that's a big part of, I think, I think we as a society are trying to find a balance between two forms of parenting that don't work. And the two forms that don't work are the top-down command and control, you know, father knows everything omniscience, like that doesn't work for most people these days. And the other form nor, that doesn't nor, work Nor should is, it, I would say. <laughs> right, nor should it. And the other form that doesn't work is we're equals, right? And and like no boundaries, no consequences, no authority. And I think a lot of you know people people have bemoaned. I don't think it's a millennial thing. I think it's a it's a, it's a time thing where so many people have come into the workforce without a clear understanding of why authority can actually help them, and how it can help them, and how it's actually good to have people who set boundaries and have consequences. And you need some heat. Uh, to create some personal growth. And and I don't get a trophy. I loved, I think it was Charles Woodson in the NFL who returned a couple of trophies his kids got for showing up at practice or something. And he was like, don't ever give my kid a trophy for showing up ever again, right? Like that's not the world that I want to raise them in. So I think both of those forms don't work and we're try- or, or shouldn't work. And we're trying to find a balance. How do we acknowledge that we have, we ha- we do have authority we do have more of a influence on what's going to happen next, but how do we hold that in a light way? How do we hold that with an open hand and say, hey, I'm here to support you. How, what do you, you know, and, and providing that feedback and providing coaching, and it's, I don't love that word in the context of parenting, but, it, but you get the idea. How do we create the right environment for our children because they're growing up in a world of complexity that we didn't have to. Sure. They're growing up with so many variables that we didn't have to deal with. Well, a lot and, of the lot of yeah. the now a lot of the natural boundaries we had as children don't exist anymore. There's no limitations. Right. There's so many more accessibles than we had. 
That's right. Uh, right. And and if coaching doesn't apply, leadership, I would think, certainly would. Yes. Yeah. You know, we've engaged in a lot of fallacy, I think, and one of those is that we can put ourselves in a position where there is no authority. Um, mm. and, and in the previous generation's vernacular where I don't have a boss. And right. um, unfortunately, what you will learn with time and experience is there is always someone to answer to. Yes. Uh, whether it be your banker or whether it be, uh, you know, you're like, I'm going to start my own business and be my own boss. Well, in right. a lot of cases, the customer becomes your boss at that point. That's right. Um, because they are the ones you are to uh, give satisfying experiences to or whatever. So I agree yeah. with you. I think it's a wonderful thing to have authority in our lives because it helps us put sides on the box. Uh, That's right. And, uh, and I, I think uh, not having that can be deceiving at times. And by the time we figure it out, we've wandered so far off course, it might be a little late. Yeah. It's a terrible arrogance to think we don't need authority or we can't benefit from authority in our life. Like the, the idea that we see ourselves accurately is nuts, right? Like we don't see ourselves accurately and to serve something or someone different than and greater than ourselves, uh, I think is the secret to happiness among other things. I know one thing that you are a big believer in is uh, linking business and leadership outcomes uh, for alignment. Um, mm. what, tell me a little more about that. One of my pet peeves uh, is in the, in the industry that I that I work in, uh, it tends to live as an abstraction. It's like, oh, we're going to have a coaching program, we're going to have a leadership program, we're going to have training, we're going to like do. Okay, that's nice. For why? For what end? What's the problem that you're trying to solve? And it bothers me that something that looks so simple to me is is so seems to be such a hard bridge to cross. And what seemed has always seemed so simple to me is well, what's the business outcome that we're trying? What are we trying to do in the business? Mm -hmm. Let's attach the leadership program and the coaching program to that, right? We should be able to adapt and be agile. And so it's uh, the, the off the shelf sort of cookie cutter approaches that I think that's done a real disservice to the leadership and management industry that I, that I work in because we've, we've tried to ap apply cookie cutter solutions to human problems. And the world doesn't work. Everything is bespoke right now. You know, one of my clients is in the, you know, electric vehicle battery, but you think it's a commodity. It's not a commodity, right? And like, it depends on what the application is going to be, right. uh, what the chemistry, like you've got, everything is bespoke and it, that's the, everything should be personalized and it can be. And the brands that succeed are the ones that are figuring out. Now, can you do some of that with automation and AI? Sure. But, but it's got to be personalized. It's got to be relevant. We all have YouTube. Like we can get the exact content we want now. And it's got to happen that way from our leadership and management solutions as well. Well, I think as a personal education tool, it can work pretty good. But, yeah. but if you're the person who is charged with providing this as a, a business tool, I think we fall into the trap of just throwing content at people. Totally. You know, 100%. We just, we'll just find content and throw it at them going, well, if, you, if you'll just engage with this, this will fix it. You know, yeah. and there's a the, lot, there's action and development and growth that goes with it that has to occur yeah. to actually fix it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that I think has been really interesting with COVID again, even though lots of, uh, lots of downsides is that people have taken their L and D budget and they've spread it out over time because we don't have these big high priced events that we've been doing. And that's been a great development. I love live events. They're super fun, 
they can be they can they they serve a purpose and i'm glad i'm glad we're going to start to get back to them uh, frankly but but a lot of those budgets have been stretched over and i and i literally could not agree with you more my team will tell you i drive them crazy less content less content right more situations more scenarios more practice less content we've our whole business is built on three ideas that i could teach anyone in 4 minutes mm -hmm. and it and it's not going to do anything Right. It's going to, you'll go, well, the light bulb will go off. You're like, Ooh, yeah, that's right. Now, how do we make that real inside of our organization? That's where all the good stuff is. Well, the problem too, the other trap I think that trainers fall into is we're doing our agenda, not theirs. That's right. Right. We are trying, we only have so many hours to teach this content and whether they get it or not, by golly, we're going to get through our agenda, right. you know? And then um, the HR person checks the box and we think we did a good job and yeah. we failed miserably. And on the other end of it, the recipients are going, well, I've heard that before. Just give me something new. Right. You know, well, let's, right. let's get this down as a competency and then we'll move on. Right. Yeah. Yep. So the book is good authority, how to become the leader your team is waiting for. And as if you've listened to our conversation here over the last 25 minutes or so, I think you will realize that Jonathan has, a wealth of things. I know he constantly is simplifying things. Uh, you probably picked up on that, but there is a, a lot of good stuff that he can share in this book with you. And uh, Jonathan, a lot of good stuff today. I appreciate you making the time to, to visit with us. I've got a standard list of closing questions that I ask everybody that comes on the show. And I mm -hmm. just want to, uh, for lack of a better term, I'm going to throw these at you. Uh, All right, I'll and, try to catch and, them. And just see what you have on, on uh, top of mind here. First question, what is the best memory that comes to mind for you? Mm. Uh, the best memory is the birth of my second daughter, uh, which we did at home. That's great. Who's the number one hero in your life? Uh, my number one hero is my wife, Alex, uh, because she moves through the world uh, in a way that's very unusual uh, in Western society uh, with very little ego about uh, how she does what she does. And it's uh, lovely to be next to her every day. What's the top value you subscribe to? Uh, ownership, uh, taking ownership of one's behavior and, uh, and acknowledging when, when you screw up and taking steps to fix it. Most important person in your life. Uh, uh, Alex, again, my wife. What's your favorite thing in the whole world? Uh, my favorite thing in the world is paddle surfing. That's my my nature joy. I have a stand-up paddle board and I catch waves on it in the Pacific any morning I can. What's your favorite food? I am becoming uh, an amateur pizza maker. So I'm going to go with uh, homemade pizza in my backyard and a little pizza oven I just got. Most beautiful place you've ever visited? Ooh. Most beautiful place I've ever visited. Oh, that is a tough one. Um, I'm going to say uh, Yosemite National Park. Um, if you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? Uh, service. How do you want to be remembered? The, I want to be remembered in that people feel like they have, that it's easier for people to have difficult conversations. If you could go back and talk to a younger Jonathan, what advice would you give him? <laughs> Don't be such an arrogant <laughs> jerk. 
<laughs> tune the ego down. Uh, yeah. What's your favorite sound? Ooh, my favorite sound uh, is a um, Fender Rhodes piano. Oh, yeah. I love that, too. Um, Frampton Comes Alive is the album yeah. that just hit my head. Clavinet is a close second, but Fender Rhodes. What is the best lesson you've learned? Uh the best lesson that I've learned is uh, not to worry about uh, what anybody else is doing and just worry about yourself. Jonathan Raymond, he's the CEO of Refound. That's a leadership training company. And um, again, you know, he's got this uh, fantastic book that, that you need to pick up. Uh, Jonathan, how do people find out about Refound and how do they find out more about you? Uh, we put up a page, uh, refound.com slash better than before. Uh, where we've got some special offers for your listeners. Uh, that'll obviously take you enough to refound.com. Uh, we have a video course. People can learn about our conversation methodology, pick up our one-on-one -on -one meeting guide. Some of these things are free. Not everything is free there. but And you can just send an email also to hello at refound.com if you want to get in touch. Someone from the team will forward to me. Let, let them know that you, uh, you heard this conversation. And if you have any questions, uh, you will get a human response. I appreciate the dialogue. This was a fantastic conversation. And again, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. I know our listeners got a ton of value from you. Thanks so much. I love the conversation too. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Stand by. We will have a leadership and development lesson for you right here next on Better Than Before. Because adventure still needs chasing. We gave the newly redesigned 2021 Subaru Crosstrek a more powerful engine. Plus, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. And Subaru is the most trusted brand for six years running, according to Kelly Blue Book. Love. It's what makes Subaru, Subaru. Join us for the Subaru A Lot to Love event going on now. University Subaru. Homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. We're focusing this month on performance in the workplace and in organizations. And today I'm going to share three keys to making the jump to elite level performance. The only way to get into the elite performance category is by making significant continuous improvement on a regular consistent basis. This means a rock-solid commitment to making small changes, adjustments, and improvements on a daily basis, with the faith and confidence mixed in that these small improvements will equal the sum of something much improved and something very significant. I have seen many of my clients approach improvement by setting very large BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals, and then attempt huge leaps to accomplish the goal in as little time as possible. 
And this all sounds good in theory or in the office or in the conference room as we're throwing around how to get better. But unfortunately, it often ends in frustration, anger, burnout, and sometimes even accusations toward coworkers around not contributing enough or making a large mistake in the process. What I have found to be true is the only way to focus on continuous improvement is to slowly and slightly adjust our normal everyday habits and behaviors. I have seen many clients put up the argument that making slightly better decisions on a daily basis will not be enough to help them climb the high mountain ahead. After all, getting to a superior place on fundamentals is not exciting or sexy. Making a small percentage point of improvement will not create excitement. The one thing I can tell you for sure is it works. Here's some keys, three of them as a matter of fact, to keep in mind when contemplating making these adjustments to achieve the goal of improved performance. Number one, most common, the one I've observed the most amount of times over the long haul is don't get bored with what is working for you. So many performers I have coached over the long period of time I've been coaching have had the bad habit of waste. While their passion and their desire to reach the top of the industry or the profession is deep and real, they fail to leverage all the available resources available. Some of them changed this and some of them didn't. The ones who could make this adjustment continued their rise into elite status while the others remained flat to stagnant or they plateaued. There's so many examples of behaviors that have the opportunity contained within them to drive progress in our careers and in our lives if we just did them with more consistency every single day. Never miss a reading time. Execute your fundamental business tasks every day, not just when you have time or not just when you feel a certain way. Write thank you notes every single week. Increasing levels of performance and progress often hides behind boring rhythms and tasks you have grown tired of or you think they're boring. You often don't need a new plan. It's often the attitude adjustment of just doing more what's already worked for you consistently and previously. Number two, reduce the amount of things you do wrong. Improvement and increased performance is very often not about doing things better or doing more things right, but rather reducing the amount of things that you don't do right. It's simply a process and a habit of looking objectively and often at things that are amiss or don't work well or advance you in your results. This could be eliminating mistakes, reducing some complexity, or stripping away things that have been added over time that are now just not necessary anymore. You can often increase your productivity by cutting the downside instead of capturing more upside. Subtraction is sometimes way more practical than addition. One of the best strategies to make big gains is to avoid tiny losses. And number three, looking back into your regular rhythm. In my coaching experience, something that is often overlooked is the power of the postmortem. All too often we spend too much time looking forward and spending too much time planning, but not near enough time looking backward to evaluate what happened and why it happened. When you effectively spend time looking backward, you can make decisions on what has happened rather than what you want to happen. 
This is where lagging metrics can play a large role in your success. What did you do last week? How can you improve by just a little bit this week? In your regular rhythms and flow, build in some time for reviewing a couple of time frames. Look at last week, last month, last quarter, and the last 12 rolling months. The main things to remember is maintain your passion and love for what you're doing. A lot of people don't like to look backward because there are probably mistakes there that they don't want to relive, review, or rehash. But you got to toughen up on that stuff, folks. We need help. And these are the things that should help you when the temptation comes around for boredom or to shake things up or just shake things around. Do the things you need to do to remind yourself of what business you're in and why you're in it. That's our show today. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. Join us for the Subaru A Lot to Love event going on now. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and our chief producer, William Foster, I am always Tony Richards, reminding you always that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.